Well, I have to tell you, Pete, it is the week after Halloween. Yes. And the amount of candy that I have consumed in the last week is actually quite literally sickening. Like, I, I don't I don't feel the way I should. Um, I've consumed a lot of junk. I, I, what... What is what is post Halloween look like for you? Have you did you did you go to Walmart for any like post Halloween half price candy sales? No, no, and that's not a testament to my self control or my body as a templeism. It's more uh, our family consumed boxes and plural on like box multiple boxes of candy prior to Halloween. So it's been a like. It wasn't just like a week of Halloween or the day of Halloween. Like we consumed a lot of candy that by the time Halloween came, it was a choice of life or death if we didn't stop consuming sure. candy. So, so you too, you you as well are up a pound or two. <laughs> oh, as, at least. As, as a result of this Halloween season. Mm-hmm. Uh, cool. Yeah, I like I said, I don't feel great, but... Um, <laughs> I'm trying to quit. There's so much left though. And that's the thing is you're like, what do I, what do I do? I just throw this out. I just give this candy away. Wrong answer. Like, what do you do? You just got to keep eating it. I guess. (laughs) Have you been? We haven't, we, we, we took a week off from not the podcast, but each other. Mm. Um, you uh, miraculously had a scheduling conflict with our super aggressive, gory horror film last week. Listen, dentists have lots of appointments on, you know, evenings or 7.30 at night. Yeah. yeah, like, come on. Like, it's just... Yeah. Well, again, it's it's Halloween. They have to work around the clock. The cavities... <laughs> right. The cavities, the cavities themselves have diabetes. It's mm-hmm. so... It's yeah. It's uh, it's an intensive industry for sure. I'm gonna say a couple uh, things. But you're good. Uh, oh no, I'm I'm on the on the topic of Halloween. Oh okay. And actually, I'll back it up a step. Yes, it has been a while. I feel like I haven't talked to you in ages. And spoiler alert: there's someone else on this show I felt like I haven't talked to in ages. So like you guys <gasps> have that in common. But yes, I I did take a week off last week, and I I specifically want to give a shout out and a thank you to Georgian Jor- not Georgian to Jordan. For standing in and you guys are right about me not watching the evil dead and i probably never will um but it was, it was a fun it was intense oh like is the only word i can use is horrifically intense so what i'll say is you mentioned this in the episode that you got entertainment from showing the trailer to various people throughout your life and you'd be like ah, <laughs> and then you'd walk away i was one of those people and what like it was literally like we were like brainstorming podcast ideas and you're like dude check out this trailer and <laughs> i don't like, remember I, this i'm oh, amazed I, I do i'm amazed uh, you that the podcast even <laughs> came to fruition then. what i'll say is the trailer itself i'm like oh i've seen scarier podcasts that scar me but what i can tell from the trailer is that it is an intense movie that i would not be comfortable in so it's yeah definitely not my cup of tea but my point is thank you jordan for standing in for me, our resident horror film expert. 
And it's one of those yeah. weird situations where I was uncomfortable throughout the entire movie, and I was so glad when it ended. Uh, but I so desperately want a sequel, and I don't. I don't know what that means. That's a weird, weird, weird combination. I think that it's achieved exactly what it's. You know, I think that's what it wanted to achieve. It's like make mm-hmm. you so uncomfortable, but thirsty for more. I'll say. That's a weird combination, but I'll say what is not a weird combination is the Movie Man podcast, and welcome to the Movie Man podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I, I've been here the whole time, but, <laughs> so that's it's an odd thing to say. Um, I did want to say one last thing, though, about Jordan. So Jordan and I... Uh, are expecting now Jordan and I <laughs> um, we have a meeting next week nice about uh, about a, a monthly a once a month podcast interesting yeah so Jordan has never seen a single entry film television show or otherwise in the Marvel Cinematic Universe interesting yeah and like like what a crazy what a what a crazy thing in 2021 nearing 2022 to have not partaken in any mcu goodness so we are uh yeah we're figuring out what that's going to look like but i just think it'd be a fun you know in 2021 is the MCU really all it's cracked up to be? If, you, if you're able to remove all of that connection to it, all of that nostalgia, all of that buildup, that history, the background, everything, and just start fresh in 2021, you know, what is, what, what? So, uh, so keep your eyes, ears, ears, keep your ears peeled while well, your eyes and then, you know, engage, click and then engage your ears. Uh, but it should be fun. I don't know. I don't know what it's going to be. I don't know when, like, I've literally told you everything there is to know <laughs> just now. Um, but yeah, it should be fun. Fun. Be fun. That is very cool. Yeah. So listen, there is, um, there is a gentleman who, in terms of the Movie Men podcast, is about as damn near deity as you get. <laughs> yep. Yes. Without actually, you know, like, if, if listen, it's not, but if the Movie Men podcast were a religion, <laughs> what? the person who we, like, you know, sang songs of merriment to would be our <laughs> guest today. It's it's just a fact. I there's no there's no way around that. Okay. He's invent he invented movie men bingo. He did. Yes. He um he calls us out on our on some things. He calls us out on things. He listens to damn near every episode. Yes. Um it took him a while actually to listen to. I remember it wasn't that long ago that he went back and listened to like the first th- three or four episodes and he's like Whoa, there was different music back then. Right. He was like, yes. that was like actually, it, it, he was shook a little bit. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't know and I he, got such a kick out of that. I'm not, <laughs> shook. I, I oh, guess. he was shook. He was right shook. 
And, uh, but yeah, so it's exciting to have him here. We've only had him here once before. Yes. Uh, which is somewhat bonkers. Mm-hmm. But returning to the show for the second time ever, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, Marshall Lewis. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Hey. It's, listen, it's the only sound effect I have. It's I don't, actually true. We all know. It's all I have. I have no... It's my entire repertoire. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry. Hello, Marshall. Welcome. Thank you. It's funny. Glad to be funny. Here. You, yeah, you, you come here often? It's funny. Uh, you know, I come here so often, but you guys just can't hear me when I respond. <laughs> we never we we typically never let you get a word in edgewise. You're you're here for every discussion and we just never shut up long enough to give you a chance. Yeah. Today that changes. These, uh, these third tracks that have been recorded for every single episode and they just, you know, <laughs> they never get Somehow released. Somehow literally always end up on the cutting room floor. <laughs> We're like, "Oh, we almost had enough room this week, but it just didn't." Yeah. It's yeah. Sorry. Next week, we, I've we've run out of time for Marshall. Uh, however, <laughs> next week, you know. Uh, okay. So listen, we're here for a reason. We are here to review the film Dune. We're going to talk about Dune, not the one from the seventies. Thank God. Uh, 80s. Right? Is it the eighties? Yeah, eighties. Okay, not the eighties one, um, as far as I know. But um, <laughs> wait, what? Not 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 David Lynch's nineteen eighty four. You are correct. Yes. Um, Dune film, uh, but Dune the twenty twenty one motion picture. Mm. Um, and uh, so I just want to say right now, if you're new to the show, if you've never seen the show, listen to the show before, and you're here because it's Dune, or you're here because it's Marshall, or you're here because it's Wednesday, um, <laughs> then. We're going to, spoilers, spoilers, ahoy. We are going to talk about this film as if you have seen it, as if you were sitting in the theater or on the couch with the HBO-ness happening right beside us. Um, And so, yeah, spoilers, spoilers are going to happen. So if you care about spoilers, bugger off. Um, If you have seen it and or don't care about spoilers, then come on in. Take (laughs) off your shoes Take off your your sandals. Take off your backpack. Leave your leave your jacket on, and um, yeah, let's do this. I I have no idea what either of you think of this film. We haven't. There's been zero communication. I don't know if you guys have chit chatted, but there's no. been zero communication between the two of you and myself. No. Okay. I would like to start by asking a question. Uh. That's my that's my deal. Oh, you want to do trivia? Oh, we can do trivia. You don't always do trivia for that's, for that's new true. releases. I didn't give you a heads up, but for this new release, I do have a piece of trivia. Well, slap my ass and call. Okay, let's do it then. <laughs> All right, trivia time. Ow! <laughs> so, uh, my question to you both, and it is fun having trivia for multiple people, so that you guys kind of have to hunger games it out, and only one winner comes out alive. Um, but it is revolved around the Canadian content, the director, Dennis, is it Villeneuve? I hope I pronounce it correctly. Denis Villeneuve. Uh, no, we're going to get angry letters now. Oh, 
Dang it. Um, but before I ask the question, um, little quick tidbits here. Um, Sting, who apparently had a cameo in the original 1984, was considered for that cameo in this adaptation, but that uh, character actually just made the cutting room floor. He was not involved in this uh, final adaptation, like in the final cut of the adaptation. So Sting was not in the movie, quite obviously. Um, David Lynch stated he had zero interest in uh, Dune 2021, and it was not based out of hate for the new director, not hate out of someone replicating his original film. It's just that he was so displeased with his own version, and I think just kind of the resources available at the time. So I think he's just, he doesn't want anything to do with this. And apparently... Um, the director for this film is a huge Dooney, like Dooney, like he's a Trekkie. He loves it. He loves the universe, the books and everything so much. Read the books a thousand times. Yeah. So much so that in his career, he specifically waited till he had some more sci-fi under his belt. So specifically Arrival and Blade Runner 2049 so that he felt he had sufficient experience in the genre to do Dune justice or, you know, give it its due. Um, My question for both of you, it'll, it's either you know it or you don't. And I do feel this is leaning towards one of you. So I think one of you might get it. So I feel a little bit guilty that I might be leading on one person to win, but it is not by, not on purpose. It's just the way the question falls. I don't, I don't control these things, but in his previous works, and this is, sorry, back to the Canadian context. This is about the director and his previous films. In his previous films, I'm going to give you a list of actors, and which actor has he double-dipped with, in that he has used this actor in multiple films of his? Oh, I feel like I I already know the answer. Is that cheating? I mean, no, but that just means you'll get it right, and I hope Marshall also gets it right. Okay. So... Because I can think of two. Oh, well, we'll see if there are any of my options. Okay. All right. So, Ryan Gosling... Uh-huh. Jake Gyllenhaal. Uh-huh. Neither of which are in this film. No, 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 no. This this is not a Dune-centric film. This is just this director-centric question. Well, sure. I, I mean, yeah, it's only an episode about Dune. So hey, what a it's a director about assumption. Denis Villeneuve. Yeah. Which okay. I, I feel I'm butchering his name. Uh, <laughs> Emily Blunt. Uh-huh. And... That was going to be it, but I'll, I'll throw in Sean Connery just for tradition's sake. Neither of those are the ones I'm thinking of. Oh, wow. Interesting. Can I, can yeah. you, can you divulge who were the two you were thinking of? Uh, sure. Well, so, uh, Dave Batista is in Blade Runner 2049. Oh, true. And he's oh, in yeah. Dune. Yep. True. And, um, Josh Brolin is in Sicario. Oh, and yeah. And he's in Dune. Interesting. So your question sucks. Uh, but <laughs> well, <laughs> no, no, it's it's okay. I'm just you know. Um, mine is mine is a more nuanced question then. Yeah, Jake Gyllenhaal is in Prisoners, uh, which I think is this director. Mm. Although I'm not certain. I will I will uh, confirm that yes, he is um, the director of Prisoners as well, and Jake Gyllenhaal is in Prisoners. Okay. Um, Marshall, do you have any 
oh, any I, inclination? Yeah, I I know the answer, and I oh. I was only oh. questioning it until you said that Jake Gyllenhaal I, was in. I know the yeah, I know the answer. Okay, prisoners, right. well, because I know that he's Jake Gyllenhaal is also an enemy. He's an enemy. Yes, yeah, that's what I was gonna say. It yeah. is Jake Gyllenhaal. And I totally didn't even and realize the two that this. I said. <laughs> I didn't realize All right, you he can directed have some bonus enemy. points. Uh, yeah. So I guess you both get it right. I probably will have to lean towards Brady because he pointed out the the double dippings that were actually in Dune. So I probably will say Brady wins. But I'm proud that you both got it right. <laughs> I'm, I I'm a little bit right. ashamed yes. that I didn't remember or think of uh, Dave Batista. Yeah, man. He's I mean, in both. He is. Yeah. To be and fair, I have seen Sicario, but I forgot Brawlin was in it. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Cool. Uh, good job, man. I I mean it. Um, it's all I... Ha- okay, I will work on... It'll be my personal... <laughs> My personal mission to work on getting some some better sound effects. Okay. Um, I have a series of questions, and uh, and they're ultimately all leading up to a statement. Sure. Question number one, and, and these are questions for both of you. They're just yes or no questions. Have either of you read Dune? No. Yes. Oh. Okay. 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 So, moving forward, the questions are just for Pete. Okay. <laughs> well, I mean, No, yeah, yeah, yeah. No. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Pete, have you read the book Charlie and the Chocolate or Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, whichever whatever the book's actually called? I actually don't think I have. No. R- right. Okay. But you've seen the movie, like the Gene Wilder sure. movie. Yes. Yeah. And do you like the movie? Um, it's not my particular, no, I would say probably not. Oh, really? Okay. I don't, um, I, actually, I don't dislike it. It's just very there for me. It's very, I'm neutral on it. Sure. No, that's fine. Have you read The Wizard of Oz? No, actually. Right. Do you enjoy the movie? Of course. But perfect. Um, another example. Have you read Charlotte's Web? Uh, yeah, I mean, sure. Oh, okay. I I haven't, so that's, you know. Okay, so Lord of the Rings. Did you, I assume you've read the Lord of the Rings. Did you read or watch the films first? Films. Okay, and and you enjoyed them. I did. Right. Um, did you, but you haven't, you haven't seen, you haven't read Dune. Correct. Right, me neither. And that's why my stance in this episode moving forward and i will i will explain this i will back this up we can we can discuss it we can debate it in the conversation of dune 2021 what a horrible movie (laughs) whoa whoa what an absolute two and a half hour waste (laughs) of my life i can't tell you so i think what it came down to i we were sitting i was sitting and talking about it with with people that i'd watched it with and friends of the show and stuff like that and sort of what we kind of unanimously arrived on was it falls right in the middle between lost in translation and cats 
I would rather watch this than Lost in Translation, but I would rather watch Cats than watch Dune. Again, a second time. Wow. Because after two and a half hours. Wow. And listen, so this is what this is. Here's a quick story. This is what happened. And I'm I am primed. I am predisposed to enjoy this movie. I'm a big Star Wars guy. I love the genre. I love so many of the actors in this movie. I am predisposed to love this film. And here's what happened. I sat down and I watched it with four others. So the sample size is five people, what we're talking about. Hmm. Which I feel like for watching a movie is actually, you know, oh, sorry, hang on. <laughs> Just don't mind me, I'm dying. Um, <laughs> don't smoke, kids. Is actually, yeah, stay away from the whiskey. Um, and so, is I feel like, you know, for, for a single sitting, sitting down with friends and watching, five is actually on the larger side of sample sizes. Um, and so we all sat down to watch it, and... Um, and and they're big Star Wars people. They're big sci-fi people. They watch anime, so they're into like more niche stuff. Like they're 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 not film prudents mm-hmm. in any sense. They're also predisposed to like this film. Hmm. We sat down, we watched it, and and there's the opening monologue. Zendaya's opening monologue, and. I would say I understood about 50% of what she said. Hmm. And I was like, should I, do we need to rewind that? Like I was playing, it wasn't like I wasn't paying attention. I was paying very close attention. Um, And 50% of it kind of went over my head and seemed like I was supposed to have more information than I did even to hear this monologue. And I was like, okay, uh, should, do I need to? (laughs) And I didn't. And I was like, ah, I'll I'll piece it together. Mm-hmm. At the two hour mark, half an hour before this movie ended, uh, no, about forty five minutes before the movie ended, I fell asleep. <laughs> oh my no. goodness! And I fell asleep for about fifteen minutes. Oh, and dear. when I woke when I woke back up, I woke up because the other people in the room noticed that I'd fallen asleep, <laughs> and they they paused the film and they're like are you sleeping? And we figured out that I'd been sleeping for about 15 minutes. And they're like, can we leave? Can we go home? Like, we're only watching this because we thought like, you have to watch it. We we're, we're putting up with this. We're enduring this Oh my goodness! because we thought you were watching it. And I was like, Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. And so they left. And then I begrudgingly rewound it and, and finished 45 minutes um, and actually kind of enjoyed the last 15 minutes, like mm. that, that, that fight that happens where he keeps trying to get the guy to yield and the guy won't yield. And cause that's not how this fight works. And then he like super swiftly, like stabs him in the back. That was really cool. You know, when Zendaya actually is in the movie for the last five minutes, um, that was, that was cool. Aside from that, all five, all five people in this room. A, hated it, and B, used the fact that they had no idea what the hell was going on as one of the main bases for why they didn't enjoy it. 
And I've heard everyone say, I, all, all the things online, everyone's talking about, you know, oh, this look is so true to the book. And I'm like, okay, well, that's great, but I haven't read the book. And, um, and from what I've read, from what I've been gathering online, the story of Dune for such a long time has been sort of titled as a uh, an unfilmable property. It's so, you know, because there's like these different complicated subplots that are happening and so much going on at once and it jumps back and back and forth and yada yada that it's just like this unfilmable thing and it's like so much of that is is um, used as an explanation for the 1984 one and so this was like such a big undertaking and oh my goodness and I don't think it worked. I don't think that you uh, me and the opinion of five, four other people, four other people who were in this room, all collectively walked away going, because I didn't read the book, I didn't enjoy this. I had no idea what was going on. I didn't have enough backstory. And the movie did too poor of a job of making this approachable for someone who didn't have any source material knowledge. And it is my firm stance that if you have a film as big as this, a, a, a monumental, massive, this isn't some little shit indie film. Mm. If you have a big, monumental, right. massive event blockbuster film like this, and there's a large group of people, because there's no way we're the only five. Right. If you have a, 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 a large selection of the film, of, of the people who watch the film without having seen, read the books or anything like that. And they walk away from it going, I have no idea what the hell's going on. Then your movie sucks. Then it's a bad movie. Then you've done a bad job making your movie. The Lord of the Rings, incredibly complicated books. Hard to read. A very hard read in many spots. Excellent movies. And yeah, I mean, there's some extra dark or some extra deep lore that sometimes they're talking about. And you're like, oh, you know, I don't I don't exactly know what they're talking about. But that never hinders you from from understanding the overarching story. Right. And it, Galadriel comes in in the first five minutes of The Lord of the Rings and 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 gives you thousands of years of history. And instantly you're like, OK, yeah, I'm caught up. I got it. Let's go. Tell me the story. Hmm. Dune, Dune didn't do that, and this is a shit film. It's so bad, and I'm actually, there's there's a little bit of, it, you know, I watched it on my reading week, on my holidays, <laughs> and there was a little bit of anger and frustration that I'd, oh I'd burned a night watching this crap. The mic is open. The floor is yours. Discuss amongst yourselves. I okay, Brady. Go ahead, Marshall. What I would like to hear you recap the film. I want to know what I, I, you did pick up on. But I can't because I don't because I literally the whole film, I can't tell you. I, I, I honestly can't. It was like a week and a half ago, almost two weeks ago when I watched it. <laughs> and and I can tell you that there's um, there that Timothy Chalamet sticks some shit up his nose, and that's how he breathes. That's how they all seem to breathe. 
um, that there's like this race of people, uh, like the, the world got real like sandy and warm and shit. And some people, like there was one race that kind of adapted to it and they're all cool and all hail Zendaya. And, and that's kind of the extent of what I got. Because Goodness everything felt, gracious. it felt like I was watching an unfunny Mon- Monty Python show. Because everything, every like five minutes, I would get five minute segments, right? The, within five minutes, I'd be like, okay, I think, I think I'm kind of understanding the current, currently what's happening. And I, I kind of get the current context. And then five minutes would pass, and all of a sudden it was like, is this is this a different film now? Because it would jump to something else. And not only was it so different from what we were just watching, but it was so different from the last time we checked in with these characters that it wasn't making any sense. I could make sense of it five minutes at a time. And then that was instantly gone. And, and it felt like there was very little connective tissue between any of it. The cast, the cast is fantastic. Cast is fantastic. Right, you have people like Josh Brolin, Javier Bardem, Zendaya, kind of, sort of, if you can even call that her being in this movie. Um, Dave Bautista, Josh Brolin, Oscar Isaac, like Jason Momoa. It's a it's a great cast. It's a great cast. Everyone in it is great. There's a lot of Timothy Chalamet haters out there. I'm not one of them. I'm particularly, especially seeing the set photos, I am particularly excited to see his Willy Wonka origin film. I believe in that project. I'm excited for it. A hundred percent. The visuals in this, there's never a bad moment of CGI. There's never a moment where it's not a beautiful film to watch. But if after two and a half hours, I'm going, what? Huh? There's, let me put it this way. There is no, there is no 007 film through the 70s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, especially like the the god-awful Roger Moore years. There was no 007 film that I understood less than I understood this. And some of those 007 films were impossible to follow. You're like, what is even going on anymore? What is the plot? They all made infinitely more sense than Dune. I'll say there's a lot, a lot, a lot to unpack with what you've just said, Brady. I, I would say a lot, and we'll we'll get there. But I, I, I am curious to hear what Marshall thinks. Not necessarily in response to that, but just as someone who has read, um. I guess the backbone, like the underlying story. Marshall, what is yeah. your experience? Wow. That is the last thing I expected this episode to which start is, which with. Which is why I've stayed so quiet on it all week. Because I knew. I knew that was the last thing. And the other wow. thing I'll say, this is the last thing I'll say really as my as my whatever. And this is like two seconds here. <laughs> the fact that this is part one. The fact that there's another th- three effing hours or however long they're going to drag this shit out for. And God knows Pete's going to want to review it. So, well, I figured as a completionist, so would you. 
<laughs> yeah, but when you when you when you no, open no 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 if you, you, you know, survived the twenty thousand James Bond films when, you listen <laughs> when you but that was working towards something I was excited for yeah 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 yeah. When you open a Mr. Big Bar at Halloween and you take a bite out of it and it's a raccoon turd, you don't finish it. You go, hey, you know what? I have self-respect and you move on. That is Listen, okay. All this, right. The, part, the parts of this film that I did understand made it feel hyper anticlimactic. Mm. I got the same feeling from this that I did from whatever the, the, the last, the last um, Hunger Games part one. You're like, this wasn't a story. This was a setup to a story. This is very clearly just like the first act and a half of a story and isn't actually a story. It's not a, it's not a film. You know, it's not like Star Wars Part 1 where mm-hmm. you're like, oh, okay, that was, that was on its own. That was a, episode one is a well-rounded story. It's I not could like, see that and be happy like with it. It's not like two towers that it's there for a reason and not just there to poof up and get return of the king ready to go yeah you know what two towers yeah you're missing some some pre-stuff and obviously there's more to come but there's so much that happens in the two two towers that you're like okay that was a well like in its own right that was a story that i just took in (laughs) this isn't this is just like this is two and a half hours of setting up who knows what all right, I'm I'm done. I'm done ranting. Marshall, man, weigh in, <laughs> weigh in, Marshall. We just well, we just lost Marshall as a listener. <laughs> I, I don't even care. This is a bad film. It's well, a bad it's, film. you know, it's it's a good episode to go out on. Um, <laughs> goodness gracious. Um, so I, it's hard for me to. I don't know, put my, put my head in your space because I had read the book. So, um, everything was like, so this is what I'll say. Having read the book, maybe three or four years ago, when I was watching this film, I couldn't remember the, the book super clearly, but there were sort of standout moments that I definitely remembered. And this film hit all of those moments. And so I thought, wow, like, I'll, I'll, that's exciting. So I went back and reread um, the half of the book so far that mm. has um, been portrayed on film and was surprised with how much other stuff was in the book. And now mm. when I rewatched the film this past weekend, I thought, goodness gracious, this film is lacking so many story points from the book. So, like, the first time I thought it was perfect in relation to its adapting the things that I remembered. And then the second time I thought they didn't do nearly enough. They should have made this, like, they should have focused on even less of the book and made it a trilogy or something in order to get more into this first film. Mm. So, the fact that they managed to... (laughs) not even communicate to you what they did get across, which I thought was like really skimping on the details is just, I don't know. And and maybe that was, maybe that was a problem. I don't know, man. It, 
it does raise it does raise the question because Marshall, you're saying like if they're skimping over this much, and Mar- and Brady, you also said like this has been heralded as the untouchable book. Like you can't make it into a film. It's just too hard. It's too hard to do. And so I'm I'm coming back to the question. Maybe it like maybe it can't be made into an effective film. There's just too much detail. There's too much nuance in the story. But then again, it has been done. Like Lord of the Rings is a long story. If you like all three books, thousands of pages. Like it, it's I've like any any time I'm like, oh, maybe just Dune can't be done. I go back. Well, Lord of the Rings was successful. Like they found a way to do it. So I don't know. I I think having read the book, the thing that they're referring to that like. Lord of the Rings couldn't have been done as a film, I think was more of a, just they didn't have the technology for it at the time. I think mm. Dune is, is a bit different because there's a lot of inner dialogue that happens in the book. And so without it being a cheesy, like, oh, this person's thoughts are being, you know, in the background audio of the film, it would just make mm. for a really ridiculous film. Um, and then, um, the main character, Paul, has, well, him and his mother both have experiences that kind of jump between and mix time. And so, it, it just would be hard to portray that. And I would say in this film, they they may have not even succeeded at, at doing it when they did try. But I feel like this film just didn't try to communicate much of the parts of the book that are unfilmable and just went with the parts that are filmable. Hmm. I feel like I could have swallowed this as a, <laughs> as a piece of media better had it been a, a series, a 24 part, a one sure. season, maybe two season thing. Okay. Give me 24, 48 hours, really let the ship breathe. Well, and I mean, when Lord of the Rings came out, that wasn't the the way where our media was at as far as like we no, have now many, it is everything is now it is you're right like there are many series on every single thing maybe this is like maybe this is using an old technology an old format like maybe this <laughs> doesn't belong as a film because television show, television series programs nowadays have great budgets they have great production maybe they yeah. like maybe you need 10 hours to give something like this justice. And obviously I'm going on what Marshall's saying because I, I know nowhere near anything about the story because I haven't read the book, but I'm just speculating here, Marshall. No, but it's, it's true. Nowadays, you know, nowadays they're like, okay, um, looking at Dr. Zeus properties, we're thinking about adapting Hop on Pop. And the studio goes, okay, you're greenlit for three seasons. Um <laughs> make it happen <laughs> like what it's like this tiny little I, what the hell are you talking about um and there are ways of like like don't get me wrong there's there's it can go in the opposite direction too so in the peter jackson tolkien conversation the hobbit should not have been three films and they just stretched that out and they milked it and they added shit that wasn't supposed to be there in order to try it. Like they started pulling from other Tolkien lore to try to like flesh it out and try to like draw this big connection between it. And it's like, ah, ah, Lord of the Rings. Ah, you see it? You see it? And you're like, ah, did you, what, all the, all the extras were sick that day? You had to just CGI 400,000, like what the, anyways. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, the Hobbit did it in the opposite direction. The Hobbit was like, mm. you know, ah, let's really 
effing milk this thing. Hmm. Um, and no, thank you. But yeah, no, I don't know. I, I think I would have maybe taken a series. I don't know. Listen, I don't know that I would have watched the series because I have so many different series on the go and there's series that I haven't gotten to. I'll probably never get to much to my chagrin. Um, but, but I think it would have worked better. I think it, I think that's maybe a better, you know, if this is a film that is, or if this is a book that's damn near impossible to turn it into a film, then don't make it a series. You know, if, if the reason is like, oh, you can't make it a film is because like no one's going to sit through the 12 hours that it would take to do this justice, then, then break it up, give them an hour a week and, and they'll be there for it. Um, so I'm not actually completely sure how they did this, but I am aware that there is a Dune television adaption that I think was a miniseries. Now, Marshall, so I, I was I, aware of this I think too, that's but in I, your did favor. it actually go through? I I think um, I think it has been made. I can't. Maybe it was made in the '90s or early 2000s. Um, uh, but 2000 it, miniseries. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, I don't know Frank how much Herbert's it covers. Mm. If it's just the first film or book, or if it's supposed, maybe they made it into a TV series so they could cover a couple of the books. Right. Um, but um, I, I almost agree with you on that point, Brady. Um, I think that if instead of two films or three films, as Denis has said he'd like to do. Um, if they had done a TV miniseries or even like a full length series for the book, I think that probably would have been able to flesh out the book better for sure. Um, but so, I would have wanted to experience it on a big screen still. So, so if, here's the problem. If they go the to TV series, I'm down for it. If they preview them in theaters. Right. Yeah. Right. So here's the here's the problem with the miniseries. The miniseries I'm looking at it right now. There's two versions. There's a a regular and there's a director's cut. The regular is four and a half hours. The direct director's cut is five hours, mm. which is the length that once part two comes out is the length <laughs> that this piece of shit's going to be anyways. <sighs> so it's really not. You know, and don't and forget it's weird. part three. I get it. I get. It. I'm saying this is horrible. I it should be longer. It mm-hmm. should be drawn out. And I get that. I get it. It seems like a double standard, mm-hmm. uh, but I don't think it is. It's apples and oranges, right? Because yeah, it's like two different, two different, um, two different ways well, of telling it, right? Yeah, it yeah. it should be drawn out because they should be going more into depth in right. the things they didn't include in the film that they did have the length they did without all that content is what you're saying. Uh, and then there was a sequel series called the children of Dune, which I believe is the third book in the novel. Uh, second and third. Apparently this adapts the second and third. Um, and it was a three parter and each episode was, I'm not seeing any information on that, but still only three parts. Um, and it's a mini series, so you have to imagine each one of these parts are m- at most an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Um, I'm sure they cut lots out. Yeah, I 
I'm going to weigh in on what I thought of this, but I do want to hear, like, we're assuming what Marshall thought. Like, I'm assuming he's in opposition to Brady by his shock. But at Marshall, what was your takeaway when watching this film? As far as were you happy, like, were you content? I'll, were you I'll, were you just here. as upset as Brady? I'll, I'll give you what my takeaway was. When I left the theater, the thought in my mind was, I think this might be better than Star Wars. <laughs> like, okay. Elab- my, my thought was, it, in this age of fan fiction Disney Star Wars, that doesn't actually <laughs> count as canon... This Dune series has the potential to be this the original Star Wars trilogy of this generation. If can not I better. Wait, can I wait on, on something before you finish, Marshall? <laughs> uh, that I will say, uh, my first takeaway was, you blasphemer, what are you talking about? <laughs> but I'm also putting myself, like if I was around in 1977... And I went and saw A New Hope. It's one of my least favorite Star Wars films. And, I mean, I know it would have been groundbreaking and revolutionary at the time and yada, yada, yada. And there wasn't much else to do in 1997. JK, (laughs) I wasn't there. I'm just kidding. But I I guess I'm just saying that is a hot take. That is a take I would probably disagree with. But also, like, just if I, if you're just doing apples to apples at the time, I might have seen A New Hope and said, wow, alone, this isn't that great. And then in 10, 15 years, when the trilogy and so on and so forth, then I'd seen more of the series, I would have gone, okay, as a whole, I like Star Wars. Maybe, I'm just playing devil's advocate, maybe this is that that film in Dune that is maybe just not, doesn't hook you, but throughout, it'll it'll capture our hearts. But, sorry, I'll, I'll let you continue. Well, this may be the last episode of the podcast in more than one way. Um, <laughs> uh, but, okay, so you you are... I don't, I, I don't know how anyone's ever going to take it seriously after a comment like that. I think, I think, you know, that's like showing up and saying, my favorite Halloween candy is candy corn. Like, that's effectively... Candy corn is good. It, yeah, but it's nobody's favorite. Well, it depends. No. I I actually think I know some people who would say it's their favorite. The only reason it depends is because if your favorite candy is candy corn, then you're probably old enough to be wearing depends. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> uh, where's that sound effect? Oh, yeah. No, uh, no, no. <laughs> it's saved for... What? No, you don't get to use that. Sorry, I'm sorry. You don't get to use that. I, I love that I bring division every time I join this <laughs> podcast. True. Why are you? Why? Why are you here today? Why? Why? Why did we have? What is? What is even happening? Well, hey, I've I've got to provide the counterbalance and show you guys where you're wrong, mm-hmm. which is why you know if if. Uh, you watch the new Batman movie and you think it's all great, then I'll be weighing in at some point in the comments, probably. See, no. okay, but here's the thing. Listen, listen. And and we can't dwell on this because we're here to talk about a film that isn't the Batman. However, <laughs> no, I think it should be universally agreed upon 
that I listen. I was not uh, there. There was not an ounce of my of my being that was looking forward to Dune. I had no interest in this film. I knew we had to do it. I mm-hmm. had no interest going in. But I still went in, and I went in optimistically. I went in as clean slated as I possibly could. I do think that it, and, and this is I'm you know, just because you're a guest, I can't beat around the bush about this. I think it significantly hurts film review credibility to say, uh, you know, to say I will come negatively weigh in on a film that neither of us have seen yet and it's not even out. <laughs> you know, I, Do you know I, what I, I see mean? your point. I, like I'll say right now, Dune Two could be the greatest film of whatever year it comes out in. It could be absolutely. I could love Dune Two. Just because I don't like Dune 1, just because there's, you know, there's something about the series or something about the production that leaves a sour taste in my mouth. I'm not like, oh, you know, here we go. We're going to have to, you know, let's let's do Dune 2. I know it's awful. I don't know. It could be the greatest film ever. It could be. You You make a good point, Brady. I definitely shouldn't make my decision before I've seen it, but... I certainly like to uh, kick the basket a little. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> Fair enough. So, Dune. Yeah. Wow. I I do want to hear <laughs> what you... I want to hear more about what you thought was done well, Marshall, but I do need to formally or formally just say where i stand on this yeah please do I like can i say i like that i've caught i like the the level of disrupt that i've caused <laughs> I, of course you do because at the end of like, this I've podcast got, we'll still be spinning and and haven't people, said a thing because we're in shock people went into this with notes people are like okay and then we'll probably talk about this and we'll probably talk about that and we'll probably talk about that we're almost an hour into this and everyone's like dear gosh um wait like where do we go? Would I? I don't <laughs> like that. That to me, you know. Now you're feeling what I felt when I was watching Dune. Uh. <laughs> what I will say is, I've always had intrigue for the 1984 original. I love Kyle MacLachlan. I'm so so on David Lynch, but I've never. Like, I've never taken the plunge. There's always been something ahead of that film that I've gone, no, let's watch this instead. So I've been intrigued, but never taken the taken the plunge. And so I guess you could say I'm a, I was a casual fan or an uneducated fan, as we've clearly stated. I've never read the books. I knew nothing about, the, uh, about this universe. And Brady kind of stole my thunder, but I was let down by this film. Um... I feel like this film really should have been more entertaining as a standalone entity. And I felt that I was let down as a non fan fiction, like I'm not reading the book. And I felt it should have been like Lord of the Rings, that it wet my appetite for the universe, that it was good for both the well-versed fan for both myself. And it just did nothing for me. Um, I I do think 
that I also was lost for about the first third of the film. I'm not sure if the opening narrative could have been better or if they just skimmed over too much. But the first third of the film, I really was just trying to understand what everyone's motivations were, both as far as as it related to the story, as it related to each character, just what Oscar Isaac was doing related to his son, related to other clans, related to this, related to that. And then there was a point, I, you know, I, I eventually got to the point where I understood enough and I said, okay, that's fine. I, I do need to know that. I, I don't need to know anymore. And I just wasn't blown away by anything visually. Didn't sweep me off my feet. The storyline stayed pretty flat for me. And I, I, I don't want to say this because I feel it seems kind of judgy saying that anything that has more than one part I'm not open to because that would just be naive like there are many multi-chaptered stories that you have to be patient for but the fact that it was just one chapter really kind of dampered my interest so I I will say (laughs) yeah I'm I feel I feel awful I feel awful because I think there are a lot of people who like this movie, but even to the super fans, I reached out to uh, one specific super fan of, of Dune, and I just tried to get her get her interest or gauge her interest. Like, where does this rank compared to 1984? That that rendition, this and that. Where where what are we talking about here? And she said that like many fans, the 1984 film is very you know everyone has strong and varied opinions it's very 1984 the graphics are bad the adaptation is clunky but it does hit its high marks according to super fans it hit what it does well at times it does really well and she said although the new film is objectively better in every way and i can tell that i haven't even seen the original version and i could probably agree with that 100 percent. but even though the newer version is better in every single way she didn't think that this newer version will have the same rewatchability. Now, yes, obviously nostalgia would be big in that context. I think she grew up watching the original, but I do wonder if it's something at the heart of this film that we're watching that's also at play with it. So, unfortunately, I'm a little bit more sided with Brady. I I changed my mind. We can continue the podcast. Oh, Oh, that makes me so happy. I feel I feel like I feel like Marshall I feel like Marshall woke up this morning and he was like, ah, today's the day. Today's the day I get to sit on a podcast that I enjoy listening to with two friends and I get to I get to talk about a movie that I really enjoyed and it's just we're all just gonna bask in this movie and I completely poo-pooed all over it. And Pete was like, uh, you know, I'm not I'm not gonna poo-poo on it, but I do have to pee. And, <laughs> and it seems like a good target, and and there's there's Marshall just standing there, f- holding the f- banner, flying the flag, and and covered in. I feel like we let him down. Before, before I and I do want to hear Marshall what you liked about this film because I want I might be swayed a little bit. Not that I like this film, but I just want to be reminded of maybe things I overlooked, and I do want to hear that. But I, I am so disappointed because I really had high hopes for this film and maybe I set up too high expectations, but I was so looking forward to just a new take on this film. And, and I think the best So, but way- based on what? Like, if you didn't know, if you didn't know the source material, why did you care? Because that's what, like, 
That's what I struggled with too. Everyone's like, "Oh yeah. my god, Dune!" and Dune's coming out, and I was like, "What the hell is Dune? Like, why do I care?" I th- each human being's different, and that's a good question. Most of the people that I talked to were excited because they were Dune fans. I was excited just at the fact that I was so intrigued by the original, but never intrigued enough to watch it. And to have something that would be better from a production perspective, from a modern storytelling perspective, I just thought, hey, this is the, this has, if it's, it could be epic. It could be interesting. It could be fun. And I mean, it always gets compared to Lord of the Rings as the, like, the sci-fi epic. Oh, well, there's no comparison. That is as epic as Lord of the Rings. Right. I'm, I will finish it off on this. I friend of the show, Daphne, I was Facebook creeping some comments she was making, and I got her permission to say this. I checked with her first. And she summarized it in three lines. At least, like, I was having trouble articulating exactly what let me down. And she, she really just hit it on the head here. So I'll, I'll just literally say it quote for quote. It is good. And she's obviously referring to the 21 film. But I found that it let me down regarding the characters. You don't feel like you really get to know them. I never found myself rooting for anyone. They did a great job with the environment and the planet itself, but I just found it lacking passion. And to me, that's ultimately what it comes down to. We can talk about, till we're blue in the face, hey, you know, they should have done this, they should have done a better intro. At the end of the day, for me, I didn't have characters that I was interested in. I didn't have a story that I was invested in. And... Again, I, I would be curious if there... I'm sure there's people that haven't read the books that did enjoy this film. I just unfortunately was not one of them. Well, guys, but, it was uh, nice no, being on the podcast. Thanks for I having me. I feel like... No. Marshall, what did you like about <laughs> this film? Try and, oh, man. Try and I, remind us. I, I don't know if... Like, if I need to start by explaining the story first, in no, order I don't so care. you At this know, point, I'm disinterested. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm more, uh, I, I'm more open. I understood enough to to get it. So I, 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 I was confused at first, and then I finally just was like, okay, I, I know enough to move along. So, yeah. Man. So, so Pete. We know that uh, that Brady's never going to watch this again. Did I know that sometimes when you find things confusing, you'll go back and rewatch scenes or, or entire films. Did you rewatch any of this? No, I watched rewatched a couple scenes, but definitely not the whole film. Okay. All right. Also, I resent that because I do plan on rewatching this. Really? Oh, that makes me happy too. Well, because I want to make sense of it. Because if I have sure. to watch the this. <laughs> friggin sequel then well, i want to if one day covid doesn't exist and we're in a close proximity i'd love to rewatch it with you Brady. oh sounds good if someday i get to meet you face to face wouldn't that be fun okay um this question question does your marshall does your significant other bake um i'm gonna say no Okay, then we'll do like, it in my place. That's fine. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good to me. Man. 
Well, my my significant other actually hasn't seen the film yet and hasn't read the book, but has seen the 1980s Dune. So hmm. I think Interesting. I think when she goes in, she'll have a a semblance of an idea of what the story is already. Right. Um, but I I was wanting her to not read the book to see what her view was seeing it blind. But goodness hmm. gracious, I'm not sure if I how I feel anymore. <laughs> Dune's got a, a very interesting quality where you can go into the film blind and come out <laughs> equally as blind. <laughs> not many, not uh, many movies can do that. That's a feat. It's, it's impressive. Feat indeed. Yeah. I'm, I'm amazed. Wow. Well, I'll, I'll say, um, some things that I liked about this film, if you'll Please. allow it. Please, we will. Because there will be <laughs> listeners that did like this film. He's standing in my pile of poo that's been thrown at me, waving this flag. Oh. All right. Um, I, like, if you guys have seen Blade Running 2049, if you guys have seen Arrival you know that Denis Villeneuve's films are very pretty. And Brady, I, I hear you You did say that you thought it was a good-looking film, and so did you, Pete. Mm-hmm. I, I, would, I would put my name behind a statement that said visual pornography. It's, <laughs> it's, it's nice to look at. It's absolutely gorgeous. Yep. Um, and... I know that both of you are big into soundtracks and tend to uh, talk about that a lot, but I didn't hear either of you talk about it, so um, feel free to jump in, but I thought the soundtrack in this film was one of the biggest highlights for me, um, with Hans Zimmer having this sort of Mm. almost like horror film elements that had been put into this film to give it a really ominous and like mystical powerful sound and i really really enjoyed uh the use of the human voice in the soundtrack in mm. it, in the different themes for the sudalkar and the bene Gesserit and and the fremen and all of that it just was really really uh yeah like ominous and eerie and powerful because of how like deep a lot of the sounds were what did you guys find <laughs> Um, so I'm, I'm not a huge Hans Zimmer fan. Um, I don't dislike Hans Zimmer, but I don't, Hans Zimmer is, he's, he's a composer that I appreciate, but I don't get excited about him in the same way that everyone else seems to get excited about Hans Zimmer. Um, and I think for me, what that really boils down to is everyone, um, or at least I attribute Hans Zimmer. If I think of Hans Zimmer, I think of the Dark Knight trilogy. Mm. And me and the Dark Knight trilogy have sort of a love-hate relationship. Um, <laughs> and and so I think I, you know, I... And sorry, just to clarify, is the love-hate relationship that you love to hate it? <laughs> I, you know what? I would say when we reviewed the Dark Knight trilogy, I think you were more often than not surprised with yep. my yes. appraisal. I, I definitely this is true. Yep. Um, you know, but I think it's just not. You know, you get someone like John Williams, and you go, "Oh my God, it's John Williams!" Like, 
you know, like you hear them, you hear, you, you know, you can almost pick, you can pick them out of a crowd type of thing. Um, I'm a big Alan Silvestri guy. Absolutely. Um, obviously, Marshall, my, who, my favorite composer is... Do you not know? I assumed you would know. This is like Movie Man. This should be like on Movie Man Bingo. No clue? Danny oh, Elfman. Oh, um, oh, yeah. I remember you guys talking about him. Yeah. I just, yeah, yeah, I'm just Danny not Elfman. familiar with con- the composers as much. So like, no. I'll the recognize love, the name if you say it, but yeah. I and don't so, know it. Like, Interestingly, the reason I love Danny Elfman yeah. is similar to what you're talking about in this in this soundtrack is that Danny Elfman uses a lot of like choir harmonies. Mm. Um, and I really like that. And so, you know what? I, I have to say the soundtrack didn't stand out for me, but that might be because I was struggling so much to understand it that I didn't, I wasn't able to relax enough to actually understand or, or to, to notice and appreciate the soundtrack. Hmm. I'd be enough. interested to just like throw it on in the car and actually listen to it. Yeah. Uh, but I but I didn't notice it when watching the film. I I am glad that you brought up the soundtrack, Marshall, because I think you do raise a good point that it was very unique and it was very eerie and very visceral and just I think it's definitely there are I am a soundtrack guy and I there soundtracks for me I, I enjoy and I'll throw on a Spotify playlist. This was not a spot this is not a soundtrack I would ever listen to on a Spotify playlist. And what I'm saying by that is it's not that I didn't like it. I felt that how unique this soundtrack was, that it was it was just its own entity, that it was it was speci- it, I know all soundtracks are tools to tell a story as part of the narrative of film. And I'm not saying this is any different, but I felt like this is so specific for telling a component of a narrative with a story that I thought this is different. This is way more unique. And um, I, I, I'm, I think I'm in line with Brady. I think if the, the ingredients had been a bit more, the souffle had been a bit more well-rounded and that it, the the soundtrack was really feeding into something that I felt was a high in a movie moment, I think I would have been really more profoundly impacted by it. So I think it's a good soundtrack. I just don't think it, it really was used to its fullest potential. Hmm. Wow. And that did come across as a backhanded compliment, but it, it was meant to be a compliment. <laughs> okay. uh, so, um, Brady, you said something earlier on that, I mean, you did communicate that you didn't really understand the movie at all. Um, but, but specifically, you made a comment that made me think that maybe you thought this was set on Earth or maybe on a planet um but like it is set in like multiple different planets was that something that you were aware of or or that was made clear by the title cards or anything yeah no so that yeah i'm aware of that the one okay. i'm just talking about whatever zendaya's planet was the people who okay. were wearing those suits was you know that was oh, like okay they, they part of her part of her opening monologue was that some people had like adapted 
to, you know, and that the spice had like made their eyes all blue and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, no, yeah, I know it took place on more than one planet. I oh, think okay. that's one of the things that pissed okay, me good. off. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> Man. Um, so, gosh, there, there's a couple other things I do want to say that I really liked. Um, so there's a couple of different like houses that are kind of like big, powerful political parties in this universe. Um, and the one that Paul is from is the house of Trades. Um, I thought they were the most boring of the visual, Hmm. um, landscape or, uh, character designs and such. Uh, because their suits were very, I don't know, like, I felt like I was watching Halo or something like that. Mm. Um, but I liked their planet, and I thought that it was really uh, good cues that he was using by showing a lot of, like, rain and oceans and stuff like that in contrast to the planet that they were going to, which is uh, Arrakis, which was called Dune. Um, and... There's another party called the Harkonnens, and the Harkonnens, I actually really enjoyed the the consistency of them all being very, like, grotesque and bald, um, and especially Stellan Skarsgård as the Baron. I just thought he was absolutely phenomenal, like, really in- intimidating and grotesque and uh, visually interesting, and just thought did- Stellan did a great job. He, you're right. He did play that role well. Um, and I, I, I was wondering if it was going to be clear at all what the uh, his sort of second character. Both, so both of these parties, they have a person who stands around them who kind of you might notice them like look up into their head. Um, and it's supposed to be, they're supposed to be kind of like a human computer or something along those lines. They're called Mentats. And I thought those that was really visually striking, the way they uh, portrayed them. And I really liked both of the, both families' Mentats. Hmm. Um, <laughs> just, just don't know where to go with this and I'm not actually bouncing this off of anyone. <laughs> Um, gosh, uh, do you remember one of the first scenes? Um, there's people nope. coming. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Paul's mother tells him he has to get dressed up in like formal attire because they're okay. There's going to yes. be like talk, a talk, ceremony. Please talk right? in terms of actors and not characters, because otherwise, okay. I okay. I I. I can do that. So, Timothy Chalamet's okay. mother, Rebecca, who is yeah, okay, played by yeah, Rebecca yeah, yeah. Ferguson, tells yeah, him yeah, yeah. there's going to be a ceremony. Um, and so, he has to dress up. So, then they go to this where Oscar Isaac is given an address from um, the uh, emperor, whatever his name is, the, the sort of leader of all of these houses. That oh, so you don't even know. Well, I just forget his name. Um, he hasn't actually shown up in the book yet. So, uh, 
and he hasn't shown up in the film either. He's just addressed, Mentioned. right? So, um, but uh, he they come to essentially officially give a contract to them to go to Arrakis and uh, take control of it and and work the spice factories, which are important for space transportation. Um, but during that scene, do you remember visually seeing these people walk in who kind of look like they have um, space helmets on, but then mm. they also have what looks kind of like a medieval shroud? Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. I thought that was one of the most interesting costumes or images or whatever in the whole film. I thought hmm. that was really cool. Hmm. What Did you guys like that? <laughs> No, uh, no, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, again, I was like, oh, these people are cool, these people look cool, and then that was the extent of it, I never, you know, I couldn't wrap my head around who they were, or what they were, or what the point was, but I was like, yeah, they they look, they look great. I think that's something I'd have to rewatch again, because they didn't stand out to me, but that's just because, uh, maybe just as a human being, I, they didn't stand out to me as much. Well, they're, they're totally irrelevant to the plot as far as I know, but uh, I sure. thought they looked pretty. So, <laughs> <laughs> And that does seem to be the thing that we can all agree on. <laughs> um, I, uh, I really liked the, the style of their ships and everything that they had. Hmm. Uh, very like brutalist architecture inspired, I thought. Um, there if was a lot had, of, if you, sorry, go no, ahead. No, you go ahead. I was just going to say, if you had to like, you know, if you like, if you could, if you could just tell us like, what is your favorite moment or your favorite thing about this film? Like what, obviously you walked out of the theater or got up off of the couch having watched it, having streamed it. Um, obviously you, you walked away from this film relatively wowed um and impressed and and delighted what you know it it, in a nutshell in two or three sentences if you had to say like this is this is why dune is so great what would that be the world building Hmm. i really enjoy the the portrayal of the different houses um, I really enjoyed the way they portrayed the, um, w- they called them the witches, the, the Bene Gesserit, um, and their sort of like creepiness surrounding their manipulation of events and, and the powers that they had and stuff like that. I really enjoyed the uh, Fremen and their culture, so the people on Dune, Arrakis, mm. and how they their culture and their life is so juxtaposed to the rest of the universe that we see in that they really, really have to live off the land and be very, very intentional and mm. uh, really respect aspects of life because it's so difficult on the planet. And all it juxtaposed against the rest of these empires that are just filled with rich 
uh, emperors and their their families who are um, taking everything for granted and fighting over more power and and their you know ca- capitalistic kind of motivations. Yeah, and and no no regard for the value of the environment and taking mm. care of it. They just what they can get out of it, i.e., the spice in this right. case. So then, is there anything you didn't like? Is there anything you walked away and you were like, "Ah, eh. like can you st- can you resonate with me at all?" Is there anything you walk yeah, away sure. from this film and you're like, "Ah, you know what? This didn't work." Yeah, um, I would say the the biggest problem I had is um, Timothy Chalamet's character Paul Atreides has sort of accessed through his mother's training and their like bloodline of however they the Bene Gesserit are creating sort of a magical uh, concoction of genes or whatever Um, he has sort of access to this um, way of viewing history and time and kind of can see the past and the present and options of how the future could go sort of all at once and in the in the book, it does a really good job of explaining that as him seeing a lot of things at once and them sort of overlapping in ways that he sees choices having a lot of impact now and in the future. And I feel like all of the visions that happened in this film were like, I'm going to meet this cute girl. <laughs> Um, and then a little bit of, and they're going to have a war. Right. But there wasn't really a lot of, uh, those visions that really felt like they were, Hmm. uh, pointing to the next story so much as a trailer for like a love story part two Hmm. or something like that. Sure. And to be fair, which is kind of what I said, I was like, this is just a big setup. Hmm. Definitely those parts did feel that way. Yeah. Sure. Um, and yeah, I think, um, so uh, another element that like, I really found impacting the first time I didn't really find it impacting is when he's having all of those visions of the future. He's, he's in a tent with his mom after they've, you know, everything mm-hmm. has fallen apart and everyone's been killed and they're just kind of trying to survive in the desert. And he has a whole ton of visions and he gets really emotional. And the first time I watched it, I, I didn't really connect um, with what was going on, but in between two weekends ago watching it and this past weekend watching it, I read that whole section in the book and it's this really powerful um, thing that he's, he's seeing and it really impacts him. And so going back into the film, it like really enriched that scene to the point where like I almost teared up. So, I, I think the conclusion that we can take away from this discussion is that apparently Dune was made for the fans as much as he tried to make it. Like I've, I've heard Denise saying in an interview that he was really trying to make it accessible to people who haven't read the book, but I mm. guess he didn't succeed at that. He just made a film that makes sense to people who have read the book. Because I haven't yeah, heard anyone talk about shame. it who hasn't read it. 
And I, I, I disagree with you on that point. I don't think that every film needs to be most accessible to the most amount of people. I think if it's made for a specific group that has, you know, certain other pre-requirements, like for example, you are going to get the most out of a Marvel film that references older Marvel films and Marvel TV series and even oh. Marvel like comics and stuff like that way more than oh, okay. somebody who just jumps in. But if they only made it for people who are just jumping in, you would, you would feel like it's just scratching the surface of things and always re-explaining the, you know, the classic superhero. Oh, it's telling their original story again. Right. Yeah. And I mean, I feel like that's, that's a little different just because it's like, you know, we're talking about Dune is the start of something. Right, like well, can, Iron can I Man, can I push Iron back, Man, Brady? You, you're always telling Pete that he needs to watch Captain America before he watches the next installment of a Marvel film. Right, but that's what I'm saying is because because the next installment, like the the movie we're reviewing next week, is The Eternals, which is sort of the beginning of something, but it's also the continuation of something, um, mm-hmm. and, and the continuation. And do you of think it's a not a good film? Because the, the, it's not able to just jump in with no foreknowledge, like having not yes, seen it. But do you right? think? Whereas, that so conceptually, like, and the, but this the same would have been true of Iron Man, mm-hmm. um, or or any of the solo films in the first phase of the like you know like so like hey, Pete, just because Pete hasn't seen Shang Chi, like he can go see the, the Eternals. And, and for the most part, it's all going to make sense. Maybe they'll reference something and I'll be like, oh, well, uh, what? I, I, oh, that, that must be something that happened. But like, you know, it kind of felt like watching Dune was like going to see, you know, having your first MCU movie being the end, end game. Mm, which I know some people who did that. <laughs> right. And that's crazy. And that's crazy. Right. Whereas if, if you'd gone into Iron Man and, and, and it, it's so different too because you know the MCU is it's still mostly our world like it's our world and yeah there's superheroes and and the rules of whatever rules of of the universe are a little, a little bit different but it's not this entire there's there's not this massive kind of world building that happens in the start of the MCU when you first start watching these films mm-hmm. um and you know, and and much to much to you know the credit of this, Eternals has a fifty three percent on Rotten Tomatoes right now, which is the lowest ranked MCU film to date so far. Um, and a lot of what a lot of people are saying is that's because it's it's just so heavy. Like the movies, like even having seen the other stuff, it's like you know it's talking about like creation of the universe and gods and all like like deities and and religion and it's all like super heavy and it changes the way that everything works and it's like even even having the source material it's confusing you Mm. know so i i I would say it's different only because dune is not supposed to be a continuation of the book it's not supposed to be a continuation of the 1980s ones it's not supposed to be the continuation of the 2001 and i Mm -hmm. think it's okay to um you know they would never release a marvel film that 
they would never release a Marvel film where you had to have seen the comics, had to have read certain comic line in order to understand, you know, fully understand and enjoy the movie. Um, mm-hmm. And certainly, I'm not saying that I should have gotten just as much out of this movie as you having having read the books obviously reading the book you're always going to get more out of it always 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 the more background knowledge you have the more you're going to enjoy something but not having had background knowledge you know if we were talking about dune 2 and i hadn't seen dune 1 that's a whole different story that's a whole different story if it was dune 2 and i was like oh i didn't understand anything and you guys are like well you didn't see dune 1 like you know, we, we can't help you. Then, yeah, that's my bad. That's on me. But this is Dune Part 1. This is the beginning. And if something's the beginning, then it should be approachable. It should be something that you can just sit down, watch, and have it make sense for you. Hmm. Anyways, that's my stance. Marshall, there's an important question we need to ask you. <laughs> and and I I'm... Curious to see where this goes. It feels like it's going to be, it's going to be drastically different for all of us. But on a, on a scale of zero to ten, how would you rank this film? Man, that time already. Um, it is that time. I gave it an eight. Oh wow! I I thought it was a really good film. Really, really beautiful film. Um, had a lot of really powerful images and moments, and again, was very true to the book in in a lot of senses, or at least true to the parts that stand out and uh, felt important. And I am definitely excited for the sequel um, because of it. Um, but I wouldn't say it came without its. Uh, problems or or my problems with it, uh, some of which I did mention. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think this was a bad film, though I do see your points. <laughs> That's fair. Pete, sir. Zero I, to ten. I, so I on my scale that I use that whittles down a, a certain number that tells me how much effort I put into watching a film... This came out at the lowest possible level, so I would only watch this again if there was no Wi-Fi and I was at the cottage and it was raining and there was a VHS of it sitting there. On on, on the scale that's a more traditional 0 to 10 scale, I gave it a 4 out of 10. You know, I really am happy that Marshall enjoyed it, and I'm not just saying that because he's my friend and I'm happy that a friend enjoyed a film. I am a bit jealous. I'm just... I, I think I really wanted to enjoy it an 8 out of 10. Like, I would think I was expecting to be just blown away with something. And the one th- question that I'm not even going to answer, I'm not even going to discuss, I think it's more rhetorical, is I'm wondering maybe this film... I'm not saying it's a bad film. I just wonder if it's released in the not appropriate venue of either being a film and not a miniseries, or maybe this type of film is a maybe a little bit more nuanced and wasn't maybe it doesn't belong i don't want to say it doesn't belong but it, it isn't for mainstream audiences maybe it's more for an independent film maybe it's maybe it's more for 
the nuanced indie film film likers that you know average film viewers like me will be disappointed going to see i guess i i i I don't know where I'm going with this, but or maybe that's what upon rewatch, to. you'll just suddenly understand all of the things you <laughs> miss. <laughs> I might understand it, or I might be—I just might be as much of a fish out of water as Jason Momoa without facial hair. <laughs> I actually liked him more without his facial hair. I'm not saying I disliked it. I just said, "Boy, who are you?" Finally. Wow. Brady, what did you give this out of 10? Two out of 10. Okay. Um, two out of 10, and the two is solely predicated on, you know, it's pretty to look at, and I like all the actors in it. Sure. Um, and that's that's kind of what it has going for it. Sure. And that's it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Marshall, what'd you watch this week, sir? Uh, well, this week I rewatched Dune for the second time in theaters and thought it was you great. Poor, poor bastard. Um, and almost cried. Really? I would because too. it emotionally impacted me, not because I was saddened by its production or not understanding it. Um, and I also watched on the October 31st holiday of Halloween for the first time in my life. Hocus Pocus. Oh, was it just last year we watched that? I watched that for the first time, or maybe the year before. Think too. I, I, yeah, yeah. Now I can actually go back and listen to your your uh, episode. That's one of the last like I don't know five that I haven't listened to. <laughs> yeah, interesting. Okay, I hated it. <laughs> I love. I can't this. remember. I don't think I was crazy about it. I don't think so. I think I loved it for its nineties aspects. He probably loved the songs. <laughs> My wife loved it. And good. if she hadn't been the one watching it, I would have turned it off in the first five oh. minutes, probably. Oh, wow. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So, I, yeah. So, let us know. Let us know uh, if your thoughts align with, uh, with what, you know, with what we think. Will do. Uh, Pete, what did you watch? That was it, Marshall? That's all you watched? <laughs> I I don't know. I, I might have watched something else, but I can't. Gotcha. <laughs> I can't remember. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, I watched a couple films. I watched... I went down like a weird old... Like watching, re-watching old films from the 2000s. I watched uh, Ray Romano, Welcome to Mooseport from 2004. It was, again, a 4 out of 10. It was just something I watched when I was a kid and... It was, you know, a Disney comedy. I watched yeah. a 2007 Shia LaBeouf Disturbia. Finally. I Sorry, I rewatched it. I had seen it before, but oh, not okay. for many, many years. And It's so good. It's it, better than it has any right being. I gave it a Freddie, four. Freddie, would, t- you, would oh. you go so far as to say that it's maybe the most underrated film of oh, all time? No. I, I feel like you've said something really close to that about three times. Or maybe <laughs> Shia podcast Street. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Uh, I give it a four out of ten. Um, I am curious to watch. This is the second film that I've watched that's been kind of 
loosely based off Alfred Hitchcock's Rear Window. So I, I am that is on my short list to watch just because I've seen Woman in the Window and I've seen Disturbia. Both are very similar to that original, so I'm curious to rewatch it. But um, I did enjoy Disturbia. I, I just thought it was that I gave it a four out of ten. I watched a documentary, uh, like a BuzzFeed documentary, on the actual family that is the storyline of The Conjuring. And uh, yeah, I this, this is significant because Brady is of the Church of the Conjuring as far as the film goes. And I'm pretty sure I, that makes me of the Church of the Devil, and I don't know that that's... <laughs> that, yeah, I'm a little uncomfortable <laughs> saying that, to be honest. And I also watched The Conjuring with Marshall, so I feel like there's significance here. But I, it was... It was interesting because I knew a lot of it was true. And the stuff that I, in the film I chalked up to saying, wow, these Hollywood dumb dummies really just went no. a little bit too cornball making up stuff. I realized was actually true. based on truth. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, it was unsettling to say the least. The last yeah, thing I, I watched I was uh, a film that... I saw it as a kid, so nostalgia definitely played into it heavy. But I watched Toy Story, and I gave it a 9 out of 10. And I, I'll i stand with that. It's definitely heavily based on sentiment and me having nostalgia for the film. But I think it holds up. I think I can defend that score. Cool. Yeah. Good stuff. How about yourself? I did, you watch I did recall one more film, if you'll let me throw that in before... Uh... Please. Sure. You, you get to yours, Brady. I rewatched The Green Knight this weekend. Oh! And? Oh, it's wonderful. Okay. It's on my short list. I'd actually feel fairly similar to it as I do about Dune. <laughs> oh, no. oh, but uh, I imagine it's a lot more accessible to people who haven't read the original poem. Sure. That's fair. How about yourself, Brady? What you watch this week? Uh, so in order, I rewatched Free Guy. Mm. And it's good. It holds up. You know, it's a fun it's it's a fun movie. It's not the best Ryan Reynolds movie. Um, but I still say it's better than it than I expected it to be. Um, so that's that's fun. Uh, I watched, what did I watch? I watched, um, uh, Child's Play 3, because I've been working through the Child's Play movies. Um, so Andy Barclay and that one is all grown up. He's in the military and Chucky returns to, you know, F shit up for him. Um, then moving right along, I watched The Bride of Chucky, which is kind of, the series gets a little comedic there. It, it you know, deviates from its horror roots. Um, then I watched the original Steven Spielberg Poltergeist, which I absolutely love. What a great film. Uh, and then I watched the 2007 remake of Halloween, the Rob Zombie Halloween. Hmm. I hadn't seen that one all the way through. It's re- like, even compared to Halloween 2018 and Halloween Kills, it's gruesome. Like it's 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 a lot more. There's like sexual assault in it that's like depicted. It's just a it's a much more aggressive watch than than any of the other Halloween films. 
Um, so yeah, I don't know. I didn't really enjoy it. I don't think Michael Myers was quite spot on the way he should be and stuff. I, I it just didn't work for me. I'll stick with, I'll stick with my Jamie Lee Curtis, uh, Halloween series. So yeah, that's what I watched. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Wrap it up, sir. Well, thank you, Marshall, for joining us. Thank you for putting up with our verbal abuse of what you thought was a great film. And I truly, truly am sorry. I, I feel awful. No, but- no, no. I, I'm, I feel like I learned something tonight. So <laughs> I, I could only know what it looked like going and having read the book. So it's interesting to hear a perspective that is completely the opposite. For sure. And it definitely helps me see the see it from that perspective, hearing it from you guys. Great. So what you're saying but is, we'll fortunately, see in- <laughs> it didn't ruin my perspective. And that's good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but thank you for listening. Thank you for checking out our show. Like, follow, subscribe, and all our social media posts below. Check out our Patreon. Join our Patreon. Thank you. To all our Patreon supporters, our hats are tipped at you right now. None of us are wearing hats, but if we did, they'd be tipped. Um, How do you know that? Well, I don't, I guess. But hmm. There you go. Hat tip. I'm just questioning everything. Uh, but yes, thank you for joining us. And until next time, um, you know. Be like Oscar Isaac in this movie. He was a good dad. He didn't have, you know, conditional conditional stipulations on his son earning his love. He's like, you know what? If you don't want to be leader, that's cool. Just try it out, and I will love you either way. And it was like, thanks, Oscar Isaac. I wish everyone was like you. That's I've always thought that about Oscar Isaac, especially in Ex Machina. That's, <laughs> oh, no! I'm like, if everyone's dad was like this, <laughs> the world would be be- a better place. I don't think so. Yeah.